What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 70. That's right, you heard it. 7-0 of the podcast. And we are very, very, very happy you're able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to be talking to that player. We're going to be breaking down the mistakes. We're going to be talking about how they plan to learn from them. How often have you blamed a game on bad dice? I've done it. Brad's done it. The universe itself has done it. Now, we are going down to Clutch City once again. We visited there many moons ago, but we're going for a different event this time. We, of course, are going to Warzone Houston, an event that I did not know existed. And we are talking to everybody's favorite faction, everybody's favorite player of that faction, Imperial Guard. And we are going to be talking about the games he played going 5-1 and one on his journey that event. Now, this is part one of the podcast, and this part we'll be analyzing the game. We'll be talking about common mistakes, talking about secondaries, that sweet, sweet, sweet target priority. And in part two, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com, we'll be talking about how their list plays in your list, the strategy adjustments, what they plan to do moving forward. And of course, how could you forget? How could we do it without the elite player mindset? Now, my co-host today has been there. He's done that. He's been around for a century, multiple centuries. He is timeless. He is ageless. He will never go away. He's won everything. He's won infinity Adepticons. He's won every team event known to man. He, of course, as always, is the Prime Minister of Canada. I'm, of course, talking about Mr. Brad Chester. What up? What up? I'm ready to chat. I'm ready to talk about some boys from, well, the planet that blew up, I guess. We could talk about that. It still stands. Still, Katie remembers. I watched it. Katie remembers. Are you over 200 years old, Brad? In dog years, I'm 357. Oh, my goodness. That's quite old. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So you've been playing 40K for over two centuries, and I love that. That's what I love about you. I think you have to actually measure my my age in dog years, though, because... I mean, I am kind of falling apart, so I feel like I definitely deserve the dog years. And we have a deal. We have the old Yeller contract where Brad says it's time. I'm taking him out back. And the just, um, old Yeller contract. I love a, everything about this. I'm like, but, you were a good boy. You were a good boy, Brad. Oh, goodness. I love everything about the fact that we haven't talked about this, and apparently I am going to get put out the pasture. You're getting put out the pasture, boy. <laughs> you get it. Just get it. Get out of here. Go on now. Should we talk about our guest? Our guest today. Let me just tell you. We've had him on before. He is untouchable. I don't know how he's winning games. I literally don't. I look at his list. I say, man, he went five and one. I am so impressed. This guy's coming on the podcast again. He's a bandwagon guy now. Now that they made upgrades, this army's winning all over the place now. It might as well be S tier. Well, I got to say that I'm impressed with him. He sticks with his guns. He's never shifted which I respect, and which is why he is on this show, Unbroken. I am, ter- of course, I'm talking about the A&M Aggie, Mr. Brett Urbanowski. How are you guys doing? Excited to be on? Magic. And I, would, I wouldn't say that they're S tier. They've only been the 30% win rate for almost the entirety of nine. I thought we were here to talk about 8th edition still. I didn't even know that there was 9th edition codexes out. Hey, yeah. 
<laughs> are they going to get a book anytime soon? That's the question, I guess. But, you know, are they going to get a book before 10th edition is the question? Probably. That's going to be yeah. the worst case scenario. Exactly. Buy the book and then two months later, it's completely invalidated the Duty Index hammer the, again. The question is on that, too. It, here, do you think that your book will have 10th edition style rules? What are your What are your thoughts on that? What do you think? I heard early on that um, Guard Knights and I believe Nids were some of the earlier books written, but they play tested them so much because they couldn't just figure out how to work them with allies. So I don't know if that's true or not. I, I'm hoping that maybe there's some 10th edition rules, but to be honest, I kind of like the uh, idea of going back to Index Hammer as long as they can play test well enough to not have the. Um, uh, what was it? What was the chaos sorcerer guy that everybody spammed in the uh, Dark Eldar flying? Oh, it was the the malefic, malefic lords, thirty point guys, yeah. oh, powers, thirty points, and that's back before we had the rule of three or smite caps. So you just had dudes just smiting and casting power. Those guys were ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and, and things have happened. I mean, yeah. not that much change. We have. I heard that you can auto wounding on fours is good. Yeah, uh, apparently so. <laughs> Before we jump into it too far, Brett, over the weekend, what was your MVP and what's on the chopping block? How are you going to steal my shit? We're not even out of the intro. Well, I just, um, I went for it. I saw the moment. We, and it we felt haven't right. even got to the tournament or his list. Well, can I note, this, this answer the question, Brett. Answer the question for the people. Everyone wants to know. On the chopping block, probably Camiris, to be honest. Not, I, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a place for him, but they're... I don't know if any both of them. We MVPs probably is my, my intimidating stature because multiple opponents came up to me and like, wow, you get to go first because we're going to arm wrestle. Who goes first wins. So arm wrestled my way to the top. But no, uh, really probably the best unit. Uh, it's always got to be the tank commanders. Like, I mean, how about this, guys? From this, we'll segue into what the hell is actually in your list. <laughs> Tell us about your list, man. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's, um, I mean, I guess at this point, it's a pretty standard list. Um, it's the Gunner Spotters Detachment um, Battalion with a company commander for War Warlord, uh, purchasing Warlord trait thing for, then giving it up for a tank ace. Um, a, two tank commanders with demolisher cannons, bare bones, um, heavy bolters in the hole, five squads with the melted gun, uh, five infantry squads with the melted gun, five missile power sword on the sergeant, a box caster, and a mortar. Um, Two command squads with a mortar, regiment standard, and a box caster, a master of ordnance, um, which is probably one of the weird wonky things about my list that a lot of people don't don't take, but he's definitely got a little bit of play. Um, three mana cores, two of which are full payload, one of which has the flat six damage hunter killer. Uh, then we move on to a patrol, which is also gunner spotters with the demolisher tank commander, same build. Um, as before, so demolisher cannon, heavy bolter in the hole, no sponsons. Uh, two squads of infantry with uh, plasma guns. Boxcaster and Mortar, a command squad decked the same way with the Mortar, Regiment Standard, and Boxcaster, and then a three-man heavy weapon team of Mortars and a regular Leaner Rush Demolisher. Um, and then there's two Chimeras as well that I have in the first detachment. So we're going down to Warzone Houston. What what kind of tournament was it? We What kind of terrain was it? And what's the setup for us? Um, so it was relatively similar to GW-style uh, terrain. I would say some of the boards at times seemed very open, and then some of the uh, the day twos, at least exiting day one, um, which Jay, the, the event organizer, started showing what the tables are going to look like. Pieces of terrain were essentially 10 inches apart um, down the middle, but it looked like they were 10, 10 inches from the edge. So it was like everybody with jump pack armies like, oh, I can just move from building to building and get and set charge off. Um, they ruled right before the beginning of the tournament that they weren't going to use the uh, two-inch 
uh, charge rule, which then was FAQ'd um, away. But I, I mean, overall, it's, it was pretty similar to GW style terrain, just in a different sort of layout. Um, there are some some crates that were, I think, 10 inches tall, so just tall enough that an armor could fit underneath it, um, oh, but, nice. just, but just big enough that, or small enough that you could have, like, uh, the Silent King and stuff still be able to pop out over it. Um, I, I want to say his little pylons were able to um, be seen over it, but not get very much line of sight underneath it. However, those weren't obscuring. They specifically say it was going to be pure line of sight, um, unstable, and not breachable, so it was... Initially, kind of nice. I initially thought that the armagers were going to be able to fit over the top so that we could instantly see them. Um, but after seeing that they could not, that would become worrisome. Um, the one big thing I would say about the train that a lot of people didn't realize up until they got there was that some of the pieces were within four inches. Um, I think my first string game kind of showed this. The way that they were set up is essentially my opponent, Alex, found out that he wouldn't be able to move his big knights essentially across the 50. Really? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No so the, yeah, so they allowed everybody to rotate one piece of terrain on your side of the board. Um, so essentially the way those crates were in the diagonal, so you just twisted one to where you opened up two walkways, but it's like, all you can do is go jam a commander or an infantry pod in those two spots, and your move blocked at the half anyways. So it, it was interesting, but it definitely caused some feel-bads. Um, we, we had a buddy here locally that brought knights expecting to do well once he got to the, the terrain, because he thought it looked really open, then he saw that, and he was like, well, I, I lose. So I think he was night player. Was it uh, Viet? Uh, no, Viet actually, I think, was out traveling this weekend. Um, it was kind uh, Nathaniel Bourgeois. Okay. He was running nights instead of running Necrons. Um, we had a couple of people down in Houston that I knew that were running, like Kevin McCormick. Um, he's been running Chaos Knights for forever, and had, I believe he, he did pretty well. But overall, on the weekend, like Knights didn't, didn't fare too well on the tables. Well, yeah, that can be tough when you have that kind of setup. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. The move block itself, I mean, a lot of people, we, we talk about this, I say a lot, that a lot of times move blocking is actually way more important than actually killing stuff, you know what I mean? Because you kill everything else, and then you just kind of come back to that, you know what I mean? You're like, hey, uh, I'll get back to you, I'll, I'll see you in a minute, but, you know. And, Unless and you're a- Sasha in round three of uh, Nova Open. And then move blocking becomes less important if you just kill the Armager. Let's just rewind, go full circle on episode 69. Oh, yeah. No, I move blocked plenty this last weekend. Um, the last round I played against a Leviathan Nidlist on Tide of Conviction. Uh, thankfully, I went first because if I didn't go first on that board, I'd probably instantly lose. Um, and me and Justin kind of knew that. We, we'd also played at Hearst Headlock um, maybe two weeks before when he was playing Admech and kind of did the exact same thing. I just moved after squads up and blocked them into deployment as much as I could. Um, yeah, no, movement became very important on those tables. Um, I think the one player that I expected to have the hardest time move blocking was Robert, just because guard on guard is not very much fun. Um, was Robert playing but, guard there? Yep, he was He was running his uh, Talaran tank commander list. Uh, his big difference was that he was running the three armor groups that he was running with his custodians prior. Ah, that's, that's sneaky. If, if you, I wish I had gotten a picture of the deployment, because I was incredibly ballsy on my deployment. I think he had all three armorers on one side um, and two tank commanders in the back corner just far enough that way I'd have to like go full tilt to touch them. But essentially I had my tank commanders out in the open because I knew the armorers would get to them anyways. So I was like, okay, it's going to be whoever goes first is winning this game. Obviously he rolls a two, so I'm going to roll a one. Um, but he, his dice kind of whiffed on that first turn because he was only able to kill I think, one tank commander. So I think if I expected them to pick up two and pick up one of the mana cores and at that point the game's kind of it heavily in his favor. 
Um, but I think because of his inability to kill so much that first turn, it really it really shifted. But that was an incredibly tight game. It came down to like the, the wire. Um, once our game had finished, they basically put in the pairings real quick, and they as we were trying to rush to put balls up, they're like, "Hey, go to your next table." So that's let's go ahead and talk about the list that we t- Brad um, the list that he actually lost to. Do you have it pulled up right there in front of you? I understand, I do. We got some sisters. I heard they're doing all right. Yeah, they're okay. They're, do- they're doing all right. They have they haven't uh, had, had a tough time. They, they haven't been doing. Bad. <laughs> So let's talk about this. I know you're going to be shocked, everyone, but it's a bloody rose. Oh, what's that? Yeah, it's a new one. So we've got a hospitality and a Petra Superior is our no force arc slots. We've got a fight's last cannonist, missionary, Morvin Vall, two units of battles, five man battle sisters or five girl battle sisters, 10 novitiates, dogmata, three units of Repentia, eight, eight, and 10. Uh, three units of Zephyrum, seven, seven, six, a Castigator, and two Retributor squads with all of the multi meltas and a Cherub for an, a little bit of extra pew pew. So, fairly standard list on this, has lots of good stuff in here. There's a reason that we see a lot of the same list because Sisters plays well. What were your, uh, well, first off, Brett, what mission were you playing and what were your we, thoughts going into this game? <clears throat> we were playing Abandoned Sanctuaries. Um, my thoughts going into it were, I wish I'd brought a different list that I was debating. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had almost brought a 20 mortar list. And I, if I brought that 20 mortar list, it is essentially taking away the chimeras and putting in some mortars teams and an extra squad. If I brought 20 mortars against sisters, I in like, hey, you're going to be tabled in two turns. Thank you for coming. Um, but yeah, well, I only had, I think, 13 or 12 total. So I was a little worried, but not too, too much. My biggest fear was that if he had just gone full tilt, Granted, it's incredibly ballsy on his part, but if he goes first and goes full tilt and he can start tagging stuff right away, that it could become a very bad game very quickly being on Donald War. Um, and I knew Carmine, we had talked after Dallas Open for a little bit. Um, I know that he had done relatively well before at the Texas events and kind of been um, seeing, because going around the Texas events, you should kind of see the same people over and over again. Right. Um, yeah, so I knew he, like, I hadn't played against him yet, so he came up and talked and we were, were pretty chill about it. Um, explain to him what my list did. I didn't realize that Bloody Rose can get so many damn miracle dice. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a pretty standard list. It was one of those things that, like, if I felt like I could deploy right and go first, ideally, it would be kind of a done deal. Going second really depends on what is his player skill level and what does he plan to do strategy wise, and how can I kind of react to it going into that bottom of the turn one. Um, so he ended up actually going first there. Uh, he his terrain was the. The uh, Dawn of War setup for GW train. So you had the big 12 by 12 um, kind of on his back line. You had the two crates on the far edges of the train. And then there was a L with some woods um, in the, the, what I, the star corner, like north, south, east, west portion um, of the board, essentially. Uh, he took his big piece and kind of tilted it to basically, he, he could put everything inside of it from his deployment. The windows on the first floor were blocking, so I couldn't really see anything. Um, granted, rather kind of, as you know, my list doesn't really need line of sight. Um, <laughs> but with Armor Contempt and 3+, plus going to a 2+, plus, it's still, you have to roll a lot of 2s. Right. Um, he started uh, a his 10-man group of Repentia inside of the Rhino. No big surprise there. Um, thankfully, without the ability to do that pregame move, that, that really... Helped was, me quite a bit. I, I was just thinking that. I'm like, at least you can't scout up on you and really hit you hard with this mission. Oh, yeah. And then he, um, I think, had two Zephyrim. No, he only had one Zephyrim in Deep Strike. Um, I was kind of hoping he was going to put two, if not all three of the Zephyrim in Deep Strike, because I feel at that point it's kind of a, it, it kind of becomes a very much how much can I kill and how far can I move, move, move my guys up to screen them out. Right. Um, style of game. It's also just a weird sort of vibe. Like it's anytime somebody comes up 
it plays me with deep strike units. It's there's no real right or wrong answer. How do you play against it? It's uh, kind of what's your plan going forward, and can I catch on to that plan pretty quickly and figure out what you're trying to do with it? Um, this is the first time I played against sisters um, since the changes. Um, How'd you dodge played, it so long? You played some events, haven't you? Oh well, yeah, but I played Necrons a lot. Like I have, I think yet to lose to Necrons since the changes, uh-huh. and I've played them nine to ten times at least now. So it's you can, I, I know my list. You can contest and block them uh, better than a lot of list can, which is strange on that, just because of the fact that they're trying to deny secondaries, but you've got so much stuff kind of put in their way early on, too. Yeah, so, the, I mean, the, the Necrons, the difference between Necrons and Sisters is he was able to get 11 points on that one sister secondary turn one going first. That's Necrons would have only gotten four, so that, it was a huge deal. Like, if they, if they cap that thing at only four points a turn, I think he ends up losing the game in the long run. But yeah, that, that massive jump out really helped. But yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy they just let you do that, right? They're just going to go out and be like, yeah, we're just going to score all of our points right they, now. I hear they have good. It's them, Necrons and them have both. Well, we will see. Balance State's coming. It'll probably, it might be out by the time we release this. So who knows? Uh, but we'll, we'll see what they do with that. Uh, speaking of secondaries, what secondaries did you take in this in this game? Um, so I took Inflexible Command, should be a great surprise there. Um, boots on the ground, which I've also kind of worked into my list. Um, also, probably an auto-tape pretty card player. And I think the third one I took was, I want to say Grind. Can you tell us a little bit about what those, some of those uh, guard secondaries do? I know most people, myself included, haven't played guard in a hot minute, so may not know oh, kind of what they yeah. do. That's, that's definitely a big point of contention. Uh, since the Data Slate update in the, the new book, there's been a lot of people, in my opinion, misplaying guard. Um, actually, just the other day, I saw somebody that was taking Creed in their list as their Warlord and then giving up his Warlord trade to the tank ace. Um, which I've heard from multiple people, including some people that used to work for GW, that that's a no-no that if you're mandated to take a warlord trait, you can't give it up, which makes sense. If you have to take something, you shouldn't be able to get rid of it. Um, the guard secondaries, essentially, inflexible command is what you can call essentially our oath. Um, it's really hard to stop somebody from maxing or at least getting 13 or 14 points in like the first couple of turns. Um, you get two points if you're within a infantry, if all of your infantry units are within an infantry officer, um, or within six inches of an infantry officer, unless they're next to a command squad with a box caster, in which case that range extends out to 24 inches. Um, so as long as you make sure that you're not overextending yourself, you could do that via scions, potentially, or moving a squad too far at the end of your turn, not realizing it. But as long as you're within 24 inches of a command squad box next to a guy, you essentially get two points there. You get one point if, you, um, if your vehicles are within 12 inches of a tank officer. Um, it's been kind of... Assume that the, because there is no tank officer keyboard, technically, that the only unit that can get it currently is the tank commander, unless you have an officer model inside of a mirror, in which case it gains the officer keyword and it has the vehicle keyword. So it's actually it's vehicle officer, not tank officer. Then the last one is you get one point as long as you kill something um, after with a unit that has given a tank order or an order. So that's almost the given as well. Although I found it myself a couple of ter- times over the tournament that I didn't kill something. Um, so... Should be relatively easy. You should be able to get four points essentially every turn for 16 within the first four turns. Um, boots on the ground is the other one that can become a little bit hard to max if you don't really plan it outright. Uh, essentially can't be scored turn one. It's the equivalent of our engage, but slightly better in my opinion. You get one point for every for having an infantry unit inside of a table quarter, and then you get one point if you have your regimental uh, standard or the command squad wholly within six inches of the center of the board. And since this can only start on turn two, you essentially don't want to move everybody out and assume that you're scoring. I know that I made that mistake early on in one of our 
RTTs that I thought it was starting turn one. I was like, oh, this is incredibly easy to score. And then got shown that it was turn two. Still relatively easy. You should still be scoring around 12 to 13 points, especially if by the end of the game you have units left. The opponent doesn't. You can kind of just go around and board control. Um, How many do you score score per turn there? What's your cap on that? Uh, it's up to it'd be up to five okay. because it would be one for each quarter and then one for the regimental standard. The thing is, is that the, one of the armies that got significantly better, not because of any other rules, but with the secondary changes for Nephilim, uh, your secondaries went from kind of hot garbage to totally feasible. But also the fact that you can take more than one from the book uh, gave you a ton more access to easily sustain doable guard secondaries. Yeah, I mean, the other, the only other one that's probably worthwhile looking at, um, and Robert took it against me, is the Special Orders one. And it's essentially, if you have a infantry unit at the start of your turn, you can do, perform an action if they're within 12 inches of an officer on an objective that's not your deployment zone, um, and you get points for essentially each objective that you do. Um, when we had played, it was on the scouring, so it was perfect for him to max because you only need four to do it. But I believe it's something like two points, five points, 10 points, and then 15 for doing one, two, three, and four. So, I mean, it's it's something that you can kind of build into your list, but it's not a as solid of a go-to because most missions don't have more than two or three inside the neutral zone, yeah, objective-wise. So tell me a little bit about this game. So you have these secondaries you've chosen now, and you're deployed out. So what was your goal going into the game, and kind of what was – just tell me your general uh, strategy here. Yeah, so Carmine um, had placed quite a lot of stuff on his right side of the board from my perspective. Um, inside that big building, which was probably 20 or so inches away from the board edge. It was a good, it was on a good portion of the board. Um, and I knew a lot of his infantry stuff wouldn't be able to really uh, move very quickly. This effort will obviously be a problem. Um, and on the other side of the board, we had the uh, L-Shut building where he had a five-man sister squad and a small group of Repentia. Um, essentially, my thought was, if I go first, I'm going to kill that sister squad, that Repentia squad right away. And they just try to kill Zephram. I'm going to have really nothing better to shoot at with the demolishers other than the rhino. So I'm going to pop the rhino with the, the Tinder Pincha. At that point, everything's on the board. If I can kill the fast moving units, that whole side of the board, this quickly becomes a game of how quickly can he possibly get his units across. And if you can't recognize right away that he has to start spreading his units out, he's going to end up losing just on the primary alone. But because he went first, he ended, was able to move that rhino up into the middle of the board. Um, he went ahead and moved advances. Zephyrm, um onto the middle as well, touching terrain, so they ended up having a 2+. plus. Um, he kept his sisters or Repentia in that L-shaped building, but he moved them up into, into the interior. Um, he recognized the feet advanced. He kind of would have been out in the open, but not on the objective fight. Um, the Retributors, one squad popped out from behind that 12-by-12 12 12 building um, with Morgan Ball, um, but were in range of one of the Chimeras that deployed on the far edge, but not within range of any of the demolishers. Um, and the Manticores were all in the back as well. So it was really, like, really, he didn't have too, too much to shoot at. Um, turn one, he ended up popping that Rhino, obviously. Uh, Morgan Vall, I think, wiped that squad that was inside. Um, but other than that, he just kind of killed that uh, Chimera, killed the squad inside, and started doing all the secondary actions. Um, I want to say he scored 16 or 17 points turn one. Oh, um, 11 points from the, the one secondary and the four from another. And then the, because of him He's controlling done. one of the central was, objectives, he gets two. Yeah, let's say he gets... Three points for defend the shrine. He gets. He can get his leap points, of course. Yeah, you know, I mean for the turn, and then the two for that. Then sacred ground for eleven, two five. Well, I mean he he could get a sixteen if he tried to do all three of them, but yeah, no. And then he got two points for the the tertiary. Yep, as well. So that's big a big opener on that. So yeah, your your thoughts? Uh, he he goes out does sister secondary things. What are your thoughts on what you have to? What are your target priorities? And what's your what are you what are you thinking right now after you took the 
second turn. Yeah, so so starting that second turn, I was a little obviously bummed not going first. Like going first is, a lot of people don't like going first. I prefer going first. Um, I can play going second. Um, there's some armies where I recognize I think going first is almost mandated, um, like a tier list on Dawn of War. That's like, it's not a good place to be in. Um, but going second, I recognize I had popped up Ryan to get those repentance out. If I don't, they're going to get the free three inch deploy, be right in my face, and get be able to reroll their charges. Um, I really needed to hurt the Zephyrum because of the fact that. They can move so fast that they would kind of be in the back line, just hop over the infantry squads. Um, and I was really hoping to still follow through on that plan of wiping that left side of the board. Um, and then if I could, the bonus would have been killing those retributors in the back corner. He would have popped his second squad out to touch the demolisher that would have killed them, which I was okay with that trade because it would have been one of my regular demolishers. Um, and then going into turn two, the bottom of turn two, I would have popped my other tank commander out and shot the retributors to then essentially take it to where he has no uh, anti-tank. At the end of that turn, I believe I killed all the Repentia on that left side of the board. Didn't touch the five-man sister unit. Um, I got the Zephyrum down to two models, popped the Rhino, got the Repentia inside down to two models, and got the Retributors down to one. Um, and this is, I think, we both look back, and this is kind of the point where the game went, where it was kind of decided. It was not killing that one Retributor because um, he had them all. It was able to use his strats to go right. back. Yeah, so he's got the Missionary, so he's... He can get up to three models back, which are all going to be melted guns, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which he got three back. So, <laughs> which is effectively the squad. <laughs> yeah. So, that, I mean, he also hadn't used his sheriff yet either. So, that was particularly nasty when he was able to use those three and basically fire again. So, he essentially acting like he was at full. Um, and then those are two repentance in the middle, turned out to be a big problem too, because uh, through all of the mortar shots and stuff, last guns and stuff that I had shot on him, he was able to make enough five up pains that way they were still alive um i could have probably been fine without with the retributors being there but the repentance in the middle kind of suddenly made it to where it was a very weird game because i moved i moved my camera up into the middle um to move block knowing his zephyr full well would be able to go out and, and take it but the repentia essentially would be able to go tag the camera in my mind and and kill it um what ended up happening is that other retributor squad going into turn two popped out, popped my Chimera, the Pencha go in, slaughter the crap out of the squad inside, go in to tag uh, another unit behind him. The Zephyrum, he was able to use, instead of trying to tag anything, he went onto my home objective, did his secondary there, so he instantly maxed, which I thought was really smart. I really expected him to go and try to tag one of the tank commanders, which would have sucked, but there wasn't really much for them to shoot at anyways. They would have given all my heavy bolters in the backfield something to, to shoot at. Um, but he was able to pop that uh, regular demolisher over by my Khmer on my right side. Um, and he was able to get Morgan Vall in the place to be able to shoot the tank commander that was hiding in the back corner as well. So she was able to take off, I think, two or three wounds there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, at that point, it became very much a how much can I go kill going into the bottom of turn two? Because turn one was a little, little lackluster um, from what I'm used to against sisters or other T3 armies. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's at, at that point, we were kind of enjoying the game. We were enjoying where we're going with it. Um, I was able to basically wipe out his left side at that point, um, killed the majority of his Zephyrum that were on the board um, and his Repentia, killed that Retributor squad, um, got the other one down, I think, to three or four models in the middle. And it kind of became a very much, he was starting to throw characters onto the objectives right away. Um, and we started running out of time. So we, we started to have to speed things up. Because of it, it was one of those things that he was still hiding characters in places that I couldn't really see. They were character protected, so I'd have to shoot everything at something touching cover with the two-up. And it quickly became a game of, can I kill the stuff with two-ups? And it turned out not to be the case. We, we <laughs> kind of had to, at the very end, like, it came down to if I killed that hosp hospitaler, 
That's because um, he had pushed Morgan Ball up for enough. Of the, I was able to kill her off the objective. That it essentially would have been would have been my game going into turn five because he would have scored four points less, but wasn't able to do anything because Morgan Ball was able to go and tag one of the tanks and then rip it to shreds. So uh, my my whole game there at the end was based off of a I think an eight inch charge for Morgan Ball, which he ended up getting off with like a eleven or something crazy. Um, I, I don't think he failed a single charge all game to be honest. Oh no, he didn't because he had miracle dice. So. Yeah, the, the the amount of miracle dice that Bloody Rose were able to get was just obscene, and that definitely played a huge part because he was able to roll ones when he needed some morales. He was able to roll a bunch of sixes and fives um, to get those auto charges, um, and he had plenty of threes just to pass armor saves as well. You're getting um, a, you're going to shout out in the intro next time on the blaming dice. Uh, everyone does it. We all do it. Brad Brett does it. Well, it's not it's not dice dice. <laughs> miracle dice. Not when it's, we'll blame not when it's miracle dice. dice. I mean, that's the only thing to make uh, Votan better, I bet, it would be giving him auto sixes for everything. Auto, they don't need auto sixes, bro. Auto fours. That's all you need. Yeah, but if you if you just roll dice at the beginning of the game, you're like, oh, I roll four. Oh, it's auto six. There you go. I don't you only have to roll the four, but you just pull it off of your, your little agglomeration of dice you already have. I don't mean to completely derail the conversation here, but do you plan on blaming dice this weekend when the Arkansas Razorbacks completely dismantle Texas A&M? You know, I, I was looking forward to going, looking forward to going to that game. But no, I think I think we're gonna it's gonna start going down by 10, 15 points. Okay, so All right, it's be a high twenties to fourteen, seventeen, something like that. You know what? Uh, I need to know what the spread is on this game. It's two in favor two and of them. Three yeah. and them for the underdog. Yes, yeah. I'm going. I was. I had to look it up real quick. I'm like, what's the spread on this game? It's gonna be a good one. It's one to watch. Definitely. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be the the game of the weekend, which is crazy because Arkansas has been historically really bad the last decade. So, yeah. Like I was looking forward to going to it, and then because uh, I had a ticket to Flying Monkey Con, and my buddy TJ was is gonna drive, but originally he didn't have a ticket. So if he wasn't able to get a ticket, I wasn't gonna be able to go because I didn't want to have to sit there and spend three hundred dollars in gas just to go to Kansas City. Uh, All right. He was able to get a ticket, so so now we're going. So we'll be running the, the same list at Flying Monkey this weekend. So we'll see how it holds up. Uh, well, I have a good story for you guys over the weekend about how much of an idiot I am. So I go over at my buddy Snakes' house. We're just chilling out, talking about lists, whatnot, and what I'm now going to be taking. And we talk about Vegas teams. And I'm like, he's like, well, when is that anyways? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, let me go look it up. I think it's in a couple of weeks. And uh, it's this weekend. So I bought a plane ticket on Sunday. <laughs> And it was very economical because I heard the best time to buy tickets for planes. Right before. Right, right before. Super yeah. best prices. Best prices. Also, I, I had uh, died in, when I went out to the East Coast last time. And my buddy Kramer had had just the, Tom and, and Kramer had taken my army back with them because I flew back and they drove. And uh, my army was in uh, three hours away from me. So he mailed it to me, thankfully. Thank you, Kramer. He's the big guy in the robe. Uh, and so boy. I, I bought a, uh, b- bought a plane ticket last minute and my army is currently got here today. It's in a sitting in a chair in my, uh, living room in a big box. <laughs> so I'm super ready for, uh, Vegas teams. It's going to be perfect. Who's, who's you on your Vegas teams and why is it not me? Uh, you didn't ask in the first thing. I mean, we're just coming off our win, bro. You got to settle down. <laughs> uh, I was three. No, Brad, um, kind of a big deal, uh, big deal. But, uh, I've got. Pajamas, TJ, Elliot, uh, Tom, and myself. Mm, sounds like you need me. We do need you. Yeah, but, I mean, do you all do you all not have a guard player? We did not have it. Actually, Tom was pushing to play guard very strongly. By the way, he said he could smash yeah. with it. No, oh yeah. There's a 
at ETC, there was plenty of armies that I was like, give me the Necrons, give me Nids, give me all the stuff that nobody wants to play. I don't, I don't want to play. I will take I, I don't want to play your damn guard. My, my, <laughs> my feeble, my flimsy Eldar do not want to see your 400 <laughs> indirect shots that are coming on my skull. And you know, my save is bad. I don't care if you have AP or not. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, just wait up dice. Yeah. How many of those four ups did you make, Brad? Not enough. We have one wound apiece. Well, we're gonna we're gonna cut it over to part two here, Brad. I hope you're ready for the Bradning. I have a bunch of questions, actually. Uh for those listening though, uh this episode is releasing on Monday, I believe. What is it, the twenty fifth? Is that right? Twenty fifth? Does that sound right to y'all? Twenty no, it'll be twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. So we'll be going on October one is the following Monday. I mean, yeah, I just show up when you yeah. tell me to show up. Bro. Yeah, so so the first October episode will actually be Brett again. This time he'll be defending his Texas A&M Aggies as they unbroken on, as an unbroken episode as he recounts their loss to the Arkansas Razorback. It's the bonus football bonus football episode. Can the Aggies uh, remain unbroken after suffering a loss to the Arkansas Razorbacks? They're going to win by fifteen. Okay, fifteen points, or it's going to be fourteen points, and then I'll be on the uh, I'll be on the the non Art of War podcast after go six to a flying monkey. So, oh, I would love that. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Make sure to listen to our other podcasts. We have the Art of War Vanilla with Nick Nadavati and Paul Murphy. We have the Australian Aussie, Aussie, Aussie Art of War Down Under with the late and great Adam Kimmelier. We, of course, are the Art of War Pistachio, the flavor didn't know you loved till you tried us. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.